right, Fruit of the Spirit series continues after a couple-week break. Uh, make sure you listen back to Michael's message of the last couple weeks. Both of them were really, really good. Um, I've enjoyed a couple weeks break, but it's going to be back. Fruit of the Spirit. Today we're talking about gentleness. Everyone say gentleness. Gentleness. Let's read this passage together and just jump right in. Galatians 5.22, it's Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, and it's been serving as sort of our anchor, our foundational passage this summer together. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do we produce the fruit? No, we don't. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Our job is to plant the right seeds, seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear. Our job is to live God's way instead of choosing our own way. And when we start hanging out with Jesus, we start becoming like him. And we start seeing this fruit. Start, it starts growing on our tree. Now, how many of us have seen a little, just a little bit more of the good stuff in our lives over the last few weeks that we've studied this, these fruit together? Gentleness is today. Gentleness, if you look it up in the dictionary, you'll, you'll see words like submissive and spineless and easily imposed upon. So really inspiring stuff, right? <laughs> like, I don't want more gentleness in my life after hearing that. And when we think of gentleness, we think of kittens. We think of permanent press cycle, you know, in our washing machine. We think of Walks on the beach, we think of walks along a nature trail. We think of a grandpa cuddling up with his grandchild on his lap. You know, we think of soft-served ice cream at Blue Cow. Great, great place for ice cream. Delicious. Uh, we think of uh, just kind of some warm and fuzzy, soft, flowery kind of stuff. We don't think of strength and power, right? When we think of gentleness... Uh, it's often misunderstood, and as a result, it's probably the most neglected fruit uh, of, you know, in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. We live in a world of performance, don't we? We live in a world of just going, 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 and achieving, and succeeding, and climbing that ladder, and checking those things off our list. Gentleness kind of gets tossed by the wayside. In fact, I'm guilty of thinking gentleness is sort of a barrier that stands in between me and my success. It stands in between me and moving the ball down the field and pushing the needle, you know, in the right direction. I think of gentleness as weakness, gentleness as a barrier to success. If we're not careful, we can, in an effort to perform and succeed, and charge up that hill and do great things, if we're not careful, we can hurt people along the way. We can be a little harsh. We can have an edge to our words and to our actions. In an effort to get things done, we ended up not caring for people along the way. And I'll be the first to admit, I am pretty gentle, pretty kind and caring towards all kinds of people. But for some reason... When it comes to the one person that I chose to live the rest of my life with, the one person who I would say, you know, I, I would die for, I love the most, my wife, Lindsay, the other day, she said, Heath, you've got to be a little, little more gentle. 
with your words. I was challenging her on something, and I was calling her out on something, a little impatient, and she's like, hold the phone, Heath. Like, you're, you're, you're kind and gentle towards other people. It was really convicting. And she said, sometimes I feel like it's not consistent with me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was a moment of realization for me, like, man, uh, what, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to just uh, plant that gentleness inside of me so that I can just be gentle towards others, including my wife, who I love so much. Um, but it's not, it's not about trying harder to be more gentle. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit within us to be gentle towards others, even when we disagree with them, even when they offend us or wrong us. Um, gentleness, the word here in the Greek, means uh, to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. So my goal today is going to blow the lid off your definition of gentleness. And so there's a whole, there's a whole uh, meaning of gentleness that I think we, we, we can't miss. We can't, we can't miss it. It means to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. This word praoutes, praoutes in Greek. And in ancient Greek, this is really interesting, in ancient Greece, they would, uh, uh, some, uh, the, the culture was to go up on a mountain and take these horses and, and train them and break them in such a way to channel uh, their, their strength and power towards a purpose. So the, the, these horses would, would be trained to, to ride, they'd, they'd be trained to, to lead a wagon, some of them would be trained for war. And so these horses uh, would still retain their fierce spirit and power and courage, but it would be strength and power under control. And so they'd be subject to their master to the point of charging into battle 35 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden, just with a couple of heels uh, on their side or a little pole on the reins, they would stop on a dime because they were trained by their master to harness their power. It was strength and power under control. And a horse that was, uh, that was submissive in this way was said to be meeked. It was, they were said to be meeked. Interesting, isn't it? That gentleness is meekness. And meekness doesn't necessarily mean weakness. It means power and strength under control. It means submitting to a master. And when it comes to you and I, we can be gentle because we're submitting to our master. We are dependent on our master, God. And we're saying, God, I want to submit to you and surrender to you. I've got all these gifts and talents and abilities. I don't want to use them for my own selfish agenda or to trample on others or disregard others. I want to use them for your glory and for others' good. And so gentleness is actually strength. It's power under control. Aristotle says, that gentleness is a happy medium between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. <laughs> it's straddling the line between anger and indifference. Does that make sense? So it's not flying off the handle and getting furious and anger and losing your cool and reacting emotionally in the moment. We've all been there. And the flip side of that, it's not uh, detached. It's not indifferent. It's not uncaring or lackadaisical. It's straddling that line. It's that happy medium. It's that sweet spot between anger 
and indifference. Controlled strength, controlled power, submissive to our master God because we want to be on purpose. We want to do good uh, with our lives. Well, I believe that that there's three truths that if we understand them today, we can can achieve that happy medium, that, that, that sweet spot in between anger and indifference. We can submit our strength in a posture of weakness. The first truth is that gentleness comes from Jesus. Whoa, right? Like, crazy thought. (laughs) Sunday school answer, everybody. Jesus. It comes from Jesus. It's not rocket science. I think it's one thing to know that and say that. Another thing to actually believe it and live that out, right? Tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and say, all right, I'm going to be gentle towards my friends. I'm going to be gentle towards my spouse and my neighbor. I'm not going to fly out the handle anymore or get up on their face or try to force the agenda. I'm going to be gentle. That's your your first misstep. See, it's not me-focused, it's God-focused. It's not our flesh, it's his spirit inside of us working through us. I mean, we'll, we'll get it right sometimes, but it'll be hit and miss. But with God's spirit, his power inside of us, the more we spend time with Jesus, we'll get it right more than we get it wrong. And we'll find that happy medium, that sweet spot in between anger and indifference. Gentleness must come from Jesus. It must come from a relationship, a daily walk with Jesus. Just like Troy mentioned earlier, it comes from just a daily commitment to prayer and to reading his word. If you're in a small group, studying his word and praying together and serving together, all of a sudden, over time, you become more and more like Jesus and you embody his gentleness in your life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, he says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. So he's... He's found that that happy medium there. Meekness and gentleness of Christ. Humble face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. You see, it's intuitive, it's not imitative. See the difference? It's not just saying, oh, Jesus is a great example, a good teacher, a good role model, I'll just try to emulate him. That's a start, but it's not sustainable. It's more intuitive, it's more derived. It, it, when you experience someone's presence over time and when you, when you experience Jesus' love for you in the context of a relationship, you can't help but be like him. So it's not just tightening your grasp on the steering wheel and by the sweat of your brow saying, all right, I'm going to be like Jesus today. It should be just a natural overflow of your relationship with him. Uh, a few years ago, when Rhett was learning how to potty train, so we're going to get a little, you know, in, in the details here, but when he was learning how to potty train, he would call Elmo. So if he successfully went potty uh, on the toilet, he would have a chance to call Elmo, and I, 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 would, I would honestly, I would walk out of a meeting in, in, in some quiet place, and Elmo uh, would answer the phone. And he would say, Elmo, is Elmo there? And I'd say, Elmo's here. And he'd say, he'd say, I went pee-pee in the potty today, Elmo. And Elmo would say, 
I was so proud of you. Ha, ha, ha. Way to go, pee-pee in the potty. Good job, Brett, man. Um, it actually worked. It actually worked. I also had a pretty good Kermit the Frog voice. Uh, Kermit the Frog here. So proud of you. Good job, going pee-pee in the potty. So we all need a little comic relief in, in the middle of a message, but we can all imitate people's voices or imitate this or that. I can imitate Lindsay's family who lives up in Wisconsin. Yeah, there, hey, don't you know? You betcha. Oh, sure. For goodness sakes, long story short, need some frozen custard? Go Packers. Um, so it's not, it's not just like imitative. It's intuitive. It's derived. It kind of happens as a natural overflow from spending time with Jesus. We start living like him. Gentleness comes from Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. A.W. Tozer says, Your first thought about God is your most important thought that you will have in your life. Snap of the fingers. What's your first thought when you think of Jesus? What's your first thought? Maybe he's a shepherd, as we read about in Isaiah 40. I think we have a picture up there. Maybe he's a shepherd. Maybe he's a shepherd holding a sheep in his arms. You know, you read about the shepherd that, that goes and finds that one sheep. He leaves in 99, and he does whatever it takes to find that one sheep, and uh, when I was growing up in a Presbyterian church on the stained glass window, maybe you've seen it before, but it's this Jesus as a shepherd holding gently the sheep in his arms. Is that your picture of Jesus? You also have a picture of Jesus inviting the children onto his lap when the religious people said, he doesn't have time. He's got bigger fish to fry, but Jesus said, let the children come to me, and you have a picture of Jesus gently and humbly cuddling up with those kids and saying, the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God belongs to these. I love that picture. You also can think of Jesus humbly, gently riding on a donkey's colt into Jerusalem. Instead of riding into Jerusalem with violence and force as a warring king on a chariot with a spear ready to fight somebody, he came with peace, he came with gentleness, he came with meekness and humility riding on a donkey's colt. He didn't come to wage war, he came to wage peace. That's Jesus. We serve a God who is gentle. We serve a God who is meek, who is simple. We serve a God who pursues us, not because he's out to get us, but because he's out to love us and grow us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants us to experience his gentleness and his humility. Are you allowing him, are you allowing him to, to fill you with his gentleness? Do you remember the story when Jesus is getting baptized? The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And Jesus uh, was called the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And the dove, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. I love this, this picture because there's not many animals that a dove would feel comfortable resting upon, right? But a sheep is so simple and still and quiet 
and accessible to a, to a dove. Are you with me? Are we like a sheep? Are we like a lamb? Are we accessible to the Holy Spirit? Are we so much in a hurry and so prideful and kind of busy going from one direction to the next that we're not accessible to the Holy Spirit landing on us and resting on us? May we be like Jesus, like a lamb, like a sheep. May the Holy Spirit rest on us. May we come to him weary and heavy laden and burdened and allow his gentleness to rest on us, to live inside of us and through us. Yeah, just, just, just when you think that Jesus is maybe too gentle, right, or too meek, we know that it's power under control, it's strength under control, right? Uh, Jesus might get a bad rap from the world. The world may see Jesus as this doormat or this pushover. But then you see Jesus charging into the temple, and he's turning over tables. He's like, how dare you turn my temple, my place of worship, my father's house into Lynn Haven Mall. He charged into the mess. He charged into conflict. He charged into, into challenges. He didn't step away. He moved towards the challenge and towards the mess with strength and power, but it was under control. He straddled perfectly that line between anger and indifference. He didn't, he didn't step away from injustice. When he saw something that was wrong, he stepped into it with wisdom and discernment, power and strength under control. He didn't fly off the handle, but he stepped into it filled with the Holy Spirit. All the way to the cross, <laughs> the ultimate picture of gentleness. Amen? He suffered and died for us, not because he was weak, because he, he couldn't overpower the soldiers in the Roman rule. He could have, at the drop of a hat, he could have. But he chose to be submissive in order to pay the ultimate debt for our sins. Gentleness comes from Jesus. What picture do you have of Jesus? What image do you have of Jesus? How much time do you spend with him? Because guess what? The more time you spend with your Savior, the more you'll start becoming like him. And when you walk around and somebody bumps into you and you spill over a little bit, like Troy was talking about earlier, you'll spill over gentleness. Your response will be gentleness towards somebody else. You won't lash out in anger or judgment. You'll be the first to apologize. You'll be slow to speak and quick to listen. You'll be slow to judge. What are you spilling over? What are you filling your cup with? So what you fill your cup with, it will overflow in the lives of others. Gentleness comes from Jesus. It also expresses itself in community. It's not a solo act, gentleness. It's not a one-man show. It is a duet. Gentleness always manifests itself in community. The proof's in the pudding. What's the pudding? It's relationships. Gentleness always manifests itself interpersonally. It's not just saying, I'm a gentle person, you know. It's, it's asking somebody else who knows you and, and expecting an honest answer. It's like, uh, how am I doing with gentleness? You know, how are my words? How are my, how are my actions? You sense 
a spirit of gentleness when you're around me? Ask somebody this week. You ready for, you ready for an answer? The proverb says that open rebuke is hidden love. It also says wounds from a friend can be trusted. You may hurt right away to receive an answer, but you thank them later because you are becoming a better, you're becoming stronger and more like Christ. But it expresses itself in community. 15 times in the New Testament, 20 times in the Old Testament, when we see the word gentle, it's always in the context of relationships. It's a one another kind of trait. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It's a one another trait. What are you spilling over when somebody bumps into you? By the way, it's not their fault. <laughs> you can't blame them. What they did is out of your control. What's under your control is what you're filling your cup with. What kind of spills out of you when something interrupts your day? Is it gentleness or is it harshness? Is it judgment? You know, uh, I had a friend recently tell me that a great filter, Heath, before you're considering saying something to somebody else is K-N-T. K-N-T. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Think about it. Is it kind, necessary, is it true? It may be kind, necessary, but if it's not true, maybe you shouldn't say it. Maybe necessary, maybe true, but if you don't say it in a kind and gentle way, maybe you should reconsider. Kind, necessary, true. Proverbs says that a soft word, soft words turn away wrath. Is it kind, necessary, is it true? Are your words gentle towards others? You see, we're all wounded people. <laughs> we're all wounded people, and hurt people hurt people. That's the reality. If we're not careful, uh, hurt, you've been wounded, you can pass on your wound to somebody else. You can take it, take it out on somebody else if you're not careful. Give your wound to God as opposed to somebody else. He can take it. He's strong enough. Hurt people hurt people. Be careful how you're using your words. Are they hurting somebody else? Are they helping somebody else? Are they pushing people towards God or away from God? You know, a few years ago, uh, I know I've mentioned this before, but it's a, a, a huge part of my journey. Lindsay and I, we experienced some miscarriages, and um, it was just a real heartbreaking, nightmarish time in our life. But, you know, I, I learned the hard way that, that as a man, you shouldn't just crawl underneath the car and try to fix it. <laughs> And I had somebody come along and, and tell me, Heath, you can't just try to fix the situation. you got to fulfill her emotions. What do I mean by that? It's validating how she's feeling. It's entering into how she's feeling. Empathizing, putting yourself in her shoes. I wanted just to, to fix how she was feeling and give her some perspective and a Bible verse and say it's all going to be okay and God has a plan. All that may be true, but what she needed during that heart breaking time was just a shoulder to cry on. She wanted me just to listen and be patient and be gentle towards her because she was hurting. She was hurting. I needed to be sensitive to how she was doing and just enter into that nightmare with her and just walk alongside her and try to, rather than try to pull her, pull her ahead into the next, um, the next chapter. 
just to walk alongside of her and journey with her, fulfilling somebody's emotions rather than try to fix the problem, connecting with somebody rather than try to correct them. How easy is it for us to try to correct what they're doing or how they're doing it, right? But walk alongside them and connect with them first. And then when the timing's right, correct them. I think a great example of, of, of this is the context of small groups. Many of us are in small groups here at Spring Ranch. We've got some new ones starting up here the next few weeks. I encourage you to step into a circle. That's when you really uh, can just experience uh, community and life change and uh, other people can carry you through hard times. But uh, it's just a great opportunity to, to see gentleness expressed in community. I encourage you to, to, to jump into a small group. So, so far, two truths. Gentleness comes from who? Jesus. Good answer. It's always, most of the time, it's the right answer. Gentleness expresses itself in community. It's not a solo act. It's a duet. The proof's in the pudding in your relationships. And finally, gentleness has the power to change others. Gentleness has the power, see those two words together? Gentleness has the power to change others. Gentleness can be the right recipe for transformation. Maybe it's not getting up into someone's face and trying to force the issue. Maybe it's walking alongside them and showing them tenderness and gentleness and grace. 2 Timothy 2.24, Paul says, God's servant must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to go back to Charlotte and see some old friends and family and had a chance to sit down with my friend Jason. Uh, he's a little bit younger than me, and he, he was actually one of the students in my youth group years ago, and he was one of those guys that, uh, he, I mean, he, he, it was a lot of tough love with that guy. He would stand me up for lunch and breakfast and and I found out years later that he was actually uh, addicted to drugs and he, he, alcohol during high school. And he would show up sometimes, but, man, he, he was a hard, hard kid, hard kid. But I kept pursuing him, even though it was frustrating. And he told me over breakfast two weeks ago, he said, he, thank you for pursuing me. I know it was hard. I know I gave you the stiff arm a lot. And he said, thank you, thank you for your, uh, your forgiveness of me and how you didn't beat me over the head with a stick, but you just gently pursued me. And uh, now he's walking with the Lord and just on fire for Jesus, and uh, just, he's an evangelist, telling others about the gospel and the good news. And it's just, I told, told him, I'm so proud of you, man. I know you've been through a lot, but it's incredible. Gentleness is a recipe for transformation. Connect before you correct. I know there's some of you in this room, I can sense some resistance a little bit, because you're like, Heath, I've gotten so many things done through force. I've gotten so many things done by forcing the issue. You know, you, you, may, you may have achieved your desired results. You may have gotten that business deal to come together. You may have convinced your son or your daughter to, um, to, to right the ship and to have better behavior. Um, but have you really won, right? Is it really a win at the end of the day? Uh, is their life 
really changed? Have you really seen transformation in their life? See, I think gentleness is the key towards transformation, towards a life that looks more like Christ. Yes, there's a time where you charge ahead and where you speak the truth and you rebuke and say the hard thing, but only as the Holy Spirit prompts you, as only as, only as the Holy Spirit speaks through you in that moment, after you've connected with them, after you've earned the right to be heard and build up that trust. John Newton, uh, he was the, the, the writer of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Uh, John Newton was actually... Uh, a swearing sailor. He was a, a man's man and just a heathen. He was not a believer for a long time. And then he had this encounter with Christ. He became a minister. And he said this. He said, what will it profit a man if he gains his cause and silences his adversary? If at the same time he loses that humble, tender frame of spirit in which the Lord delights and to which the promise of his presence is made. So what will it profit us, Right? What will it profit us if we gain our cause through persuasion and coercion, through forcing the issue? What will it profit us if at the same time we lose that humble, tender frame of spirit in which the Lord delights? May we not be so focused on getting our results. May we be more focused on caring and loving the other person. And then, it's funny, down the road we will see uh, that the other person uh, becomes more like a Christ because of our gentleness. You know, a few, a few uh, months ago, I had a chance to sit in the living room with uh, about 15 other people. And I was invited into this intervention. And there was a young man, this, uh, this teenager, uh, who had been addicted to drugs. Really, 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 really bad stuff. And the parents had tried everything. They tried to intervene in uh, different ways, and he just kept going back, kept going back to the same crowd, to the same drugs. And it got to that point where the parents said, all right, we're going to gather a bunch of people in the room, coaches, teachers, friends, aunts, uncles, grandpa and grandma, and there was a circle in the living room, and one by one they read letters to him. They read letters of encouragement. They read letters of love to him, expressing their support and their love for him. In every letter, there was an ultimatum. Yes, we love you, and we've shown, we, we've shown love to you in different ways, and we'll continue to love you and support you in your journey. There was an ultimatum. You need to go get help. Today, you need to go get help. You need to go to the rehab center and get some help. It wasn't excessively angry. It wasn't indifferent. It was the happy medium sweet spot. And that day, he went off to do, uh, uh, to do some recovery. And the last I heard, he's on the right track. But that was a great example to me of grace and tenderness and gentleness, but also a strong word, a strong rebuke and challenge. Maintaining that relationship. Uh, this summer, we've, we've, we've had um, a spring brancher come up here and share a little bit about what particular fruit means to them. So this morning, before we go, we're going to hear from my good friend, my brother in Christ, Mike Strock. Mike, come on up. We're going to hear from Mike this morning. Mike's been, Mike's been a great friend of mine. 
Um, I think, I think it's just really helpful to hear from different voices um, about what each fruit, you know, means to us. So, Mike, thanks for being willing to come up here. Sure, no problem. Not that you had a choice, but, uh, oh, man, I love you. I appreciate our friendship. And I know when I texted you that you, if you would talk on gentleness, um, you felt very macho. Um, and yeah, probably the last thing is a do that you want to hear. Hey, <laughs> I really find you a gentle guy. Can you speak on Sunday? You are a real gentleman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so tell us what gentleness means to you, and then we'll talk about a couple of examples in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when, you know, Heath, when you kind of asked me to speak on gentleness, you know, at first I was kind of like, what? But then as I had time to kind of reflect, really the story that kept coming to my mind was really, you know, Christ kind of in the garden when he was arrested, you know, looking at the disciples, kind of the way they reacted and kind of just, uh, they jumped to, they were angry, you know, they cut off the soldier's ear, but Jesus took time to heal that soldier's ear. You know, that time really humbled himself. Once, I think, from a gentleness perspective, it's all about relationships. I think he was able to take time and look at the bigger picture. He knew that his response to something that had to happen for us to have a relationship with him was really the ultimate uh, show of strength, really. Weakness is the new strong, right? Absolutely. Weak is the new strong, and Jesus uh, embodied that really well. That's, that's very well put. Well, when you think about your your job, what you do for a living, uh, how does gentleness play out for you? Yeah, so I, mean, I work with uh, Naval Special Warfare. worked with those that community for almost 20 years now, and and really, you know, it's our SEALs are such boat team operators that uh, we work with the program uh, with human performance. We're looking at really optimizing performance from a resilience perspective, both in the physical, kind of the psychological, but as well as the spiritual. So really kind of, it's, again, it goes back to these relationships and you know, these guys have a tough life. They've got a balanced family, got to balance combat. And so there's this kind of gentle war, uh, warrior spirit they really need to have to kind of build the relationships with those they interact with, both uh, from a team perspective, but also from a uh, combatant perspective as well as they're going into the areas where they've got to uh, build relationships with uh, other communities and people that are different. Wow, that's amazing. Strength under control, power under control, right? Uh, when you think back on your journey, uh, tell us about an example of gentleness that you experienced. Yeah, so I think one for me is, uh, you know, probably years and years ago when I went through a divorce, it was, it was a challenging time for me. There was a, you know, a lot of personal resentment, probably anger that, you know, I had personally. I know that probably my, you know, ex-wife at the time, or soon to be ex-wife at the time, uh, probably felt the same thing about me. You know, had anger, resentment, and what I realized was that just by kind of changing my frame of mind and, and friends of me kind of speaking truth into my life, that anytime your anger and resentment kind of goes towards her, really is going towards the kids, in a sense. And so really showing acts of kindness and gentleness kind of towards that relationship and, again, looking at the bigger picture and realizing that you know, that relationship is vital, really, for the, the health of our children. And it really made me realize that sometimes the people we have the most conflict with or the most friction with are the people that really need our gentleness and kindness the most. Mm. And that really changed both of our behaviors in terms of co-parenting and yeah, has really yeah. uh, been a blessing for us. That's good. That's really good. Um, you've been very instrumental in spearheading our small groups here at Spring Branch. Tell us about how you've seen gentleness uh, play out through small group, through your small group in particular. Yeah, absolutely. We've been in a small group probably for about seven years now, so we've got a great group of folks uh, within our small group and, you know, Day one, we didn't know each other from Adam. And so it was really such a blessing to kind of grow together in those relationships and 
develop that trust and invest in each other's lives. And you know, there's been times where we've you know held each other accountable, both from you know men and men and women and women, just to be able to communicate and speak in truth. But the biggest thing I think with small groups and that kind of process really helped us is that you got to invest in people. We talked about you can't correct until you connect is really an example of, of that playing out. Any word of challenge that you give us today as we go? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind, one would just do a be still. Be still and know that I am God. You know, Jesus, before he was arrested, spent time in prayer, spent time in quietness with the Lord, I think to understand kind of, you know, what the Lord was asking him to do at the time. So I think for all of you, I just challenge you to just, before you react, before you speak up, before you kind of yell at the kids or have that, Friction point with the coworker is just to, to be still, take time to listen to what God's having you to say, and uh, and He'll He'll lead the path. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we can clap for that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys are up for a challenge, aren't you? I mean, it's one thing to hear a message and it sounds good, feels good, but okay, what, what's what's the difference? You know, how, how do we apply this practically in our lives? So take this challenge this week. Maybe you need to apologize to somebody you haven't been gentle towards. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend, coworker. Um, take time. Take that humility and apologize. And then find, find one person. Maybe it's that person who you can um, give a gentle word to um, this week. Start practicing that gentleness in your life. Um, let's pray. God, thanks so much for the ultimate picture of gentleness displayed through your son Jesus on the cross. When we see how gentle you have been towards us, Jesus, we can be gentle towards others. At our worst moment, God, you were at your best. When you could have kicked us to the curb, when you could have left us out in the cold because of our disobedience, God, you picked us up off the ground, you called us your sons and your daughters and you brushed us off and you gave us a second chance. You gave us, a, gave us endless chances, amazing grace. God, thank you for, thank you for your controlled strength, your controlled power in our lives. Thank you for submitting to your Father, Jesus. Thank you for, your, for, for submitting to your Father and surrendering to his will all the way to the cross. God, thank you for being humble, gentle, like a lamb led to the slaughter. You did not open your mouth, but you were led willingly to the cross to pay the ultimate debt for our sins. Oh, that wasn't weakness. <laughs> that was strength, that was power because you stepped into the darkness so that we didn't have to. You allowed yourself to be covered in our sins. For the wages of sin is death. You took death upon yourself so that we could find life. Thank you, God, that you are the good shepherd. You are the servant. You are our king. You are the Lord of lords, the prince of peace. You are our friend. You are the way, the truth, the life. You are everything to us, God. You are all that we need. 
So may we realize that gentleness comes from you, Jesus. May we realize how gentle you've been towards us, broken, sinful people. And may we extend your gentleness towards others this week. May others see you in us and through us. I pray all this.